This is a best of edition of Exposing Washington. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie and helping Christians stay informed about government. This puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. Rebuilding America. That's what we'll talk about on the show today. Welcome to Exposing Washington on the American Family Radio Network, Walker Wildman here. I'm your host. Glad to be with you today on American Family Radio Network. You can always check out our website, AFR.net. That's AFR.net on the World Wide Web. Also, you can always catch our podcast on wherever you listen to podcasts. Just type in Exposing Washington, and you can download the podcast on your phone, tablet device. However you listen to podcasts, just type in exposing Washington and also you can listen to our podcast on our website as I mentioned the website is AFR.net so various ways to keep up with the show Uh, lastly we're on YouTube just type in exposing Washington on YouTube that's our channel name and you can watch the show once a week there on YouTube so various ways to keep up with the show and I hope you'll do that uh, do one of the things that I mentioned Um, today we're going to talk about what I'm calling uh, uh, the rebuilding of America, and we're going to talk about three institutions, uh, three important areas to rebuild. First would be the family, the traditional family as outlined in Scripture. We'll also talk about the military, why it's important to rebuild the military, and also why it's important to re- rebuild the economy. And if, if you, you, you'll notice as we go along today that the political left in our country, the, the liberals, if that's what you want to call them, they have assaulted each of these three institutions for decades now. This isn't a new fight. This isn't a new battle. And the political left has, has assaulted these three institutions, the family, our military, and the economy, They've assaulted them with one goal in mind, and that goal is power. The goal here is power on behalf of the political left. So the first area that we're going to talk about today is the left's war on family. The left's war on family. And... People who are, who are way more versed on this than me might disagree with this. I'm sure there's varying opinions about when this war on the family started. But we can all agree on one milestone, and not, not, a, not a milestone in a good way, in a bad way, one tipping point in this battle for family, for traditional biblical family, The tipping point was in the 1970s. In the 1970s, we had the beginning, I believe specifically it was 1975 out in California, 
we had what is now known as no-fault divorce. And you and I know that there is no such thing as no-fault divorce. Someone is always responsible for divorce, whether it's one spouse, both spouses, a spouse, and someone else. There's always responsibility to be held when it comes to divorce. But in the 1970s, the political left in our country created this idea of no-fault divorce, meaning you can just willy-nilly get divorced, and it's no, nobody's responsible, nobody's to blame, nobody messed up. You can just get divorced. And so California, 1975, no-fault divorce passed the state legislature signed by Governor who? Governor Ronald Reagan. Yes, Governor Ronald Reagan, 1975, signed no-fault divorce. And following that, um, various uh, states passed no-fault divorce laws. And, you know, the, 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 now it's almost across the board. You can find no-fault divorce in, in many states, not all, but many states you can find it. And that leads me to play this clip. And this dates back to 2010, and surprisingly, New York was kind of late to the game when it came to no-fault divorce, but I want you to listen to this clip. This is clip two, and you're going to hear a New York state senator, not a U.S. senator, but a state senator in New York. This, this uh, senator, state senator, specifically is from the Bronx, and she is on television talking about why she... Uh, presented this legislation for no-fault divorce in the state of New York. Clip two, let's listen. I think the goal here has been for us is to streamline the, the divorce process and in, and in that process reduce the contention that tends to build when a divorce is elongated. The other thing is um, is also the amount of money that that is lost on the part of, of couples whenever divorce is extended. And the emotional hardship, I think, which is, is probably even greater. As I listen to the report by most women, that um, it's the hardship emotionally for them and for children that make an expeditious divorce very important to them. Well, there you have it. The, the name of that representative there, that state senator out of New York, is Ruth Hassel Thompson. She was a state senator in New York in 2010. She was one of the main uh, uh, authors of the, the so-called no-fault divorce legislation there in New York. And here's, here's where Ms. Thompson is saying on national television, look, these are quotes. I pulled these quotes. The goal of the proponents of this legislation, three goals, she said, quote, streamline the divorce process. You would think we're talking about how best to manufacture vehicles or, you know, how best to do something in business. Let's streamline the divorce process, she said, as if it's just some kind of transaction. 
We're talking about marriage here, and all the Democrats can talk about in 2010 is how we need to streamline the divorce process. The other thing she said there in that clip is that, quote, money is lost during an elongated divorce process. Money is lost. Too much money is lost. And lastly, she said this, and I think this is a falsehood, generally speaking. Women want, quote, expeditious divorces, end quote. Are there some that might have wanted a quicker divorce process? Maybe. But this is such a tragedy, divorce that is. But here you have the political left in 2010 talking about it as if they're talking about the economy are talking about manufacturing using words like streamline, money, expeditious, as if it's just another transaction. And so that's that's the, the this this no fault divorce is is one of the pillars that the left has used to bring down the uh, uh, marriage in our country and the value of marriage and another. Then you fast forward a little bit. So you you start in the 1970s in California. Governor Ronald Reagan passes no-fault divorce or signs a no-fault divorce bill in California. Then that spreads across the country. That's one way that the political left has undermined marriage. But then you fast forward to 2015 when the left pushed the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court ruled uh, allowing so-called same-sex same-sex marriage across the country 2015 and i want to let you listen to president obama this is clip one president obama in the rose garden this is a stain on america folks president obama talking about how great the obergefell ruling was in 2015 let's listen this morning the supreme court recognized that the constitution guarantees marriage equality In doing so, they've reaffirmed that all Americans are entitled to the equal protection of the law. That all people should be treated equally, regardless of who they are or who they love. This decision will end the patchwork system we currently have. It will end the uncertainty hundreds of thousands of same-sex couples face from not knowing whether their marriage legitimate in the eyes of one state will remain if they decide to move or even visit another. This ruling will strengthen all of our communities by offering to all loving same-sex couples the dignity of marriage across this great land. Well, there you have it, President Trump, I mean, President Obama, 2015, saying that this ruling, talking about the Supreme Court ruling, will, quote, strengthen communities across the country. But the reality is, is this is one of the fundamental ways that that the left has torn down communities across the country because they've been pushing this perverse idea that two people of the same biological sex can get married and everything's wonderful. Everything's great. This is disgusting. I mean, think about it, and I'm not going to have to get into disgusting details here, but just think about it. God created man and woman for each other. That's his design starting in Genesis, starting from the dawn of mankind, the dawn of creation. 
And then all of a sudden you think 6,000 years later, man decides that it's a good idea if two people of the same sex start getting married. And the, the perversion of homosexuality is not, is not, new, to, is not new to America, new to, to, to humans. I mean, this type of perversion dates back to biblical times. I mean, we have Sodom and Gomorrah. We have mentioned throughout Scripture about how homosexuality, sexual deviancy, sexual perversion is sinful, wrong, nasty, disgusting. And so this is not a new battle. But in America, the institutionalizing or the institutionalization of homosexuality is new. It is new, hence the 2015 ruling uh, by the Supreme Court, uh, so-called legalizing same-sex marriage uh, across the country. And so that's kind of the wrap-up there, at least on how uh, the political left has attacked the family through various means, uh, all aimed at undermining uh, the family. But a couple other things I wanted to mention before we move on to the second topic or the second way that the left has, has gone after our country is the, the benefits associated with man-woman marriage are evident. They're clear. There's no debate on the, the positive benefits to man-woman marriage. If you look at all of the research, not just for children, but for the 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 two, the man and the woman in the marriage, the benefits are um, are apparent, and they're 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 undeniable. The benefits, and if, just reading from some research here, this is from Harvard. This is from the Harvard uh, Health Publishing website. So the University of Harvard, and this fellow wrote an uh, wrote an op-ed. Uh, he's an MD from um, from Harvard, and here's what he here's what he wrote. Compared to those who are single, those who are married tend to live longer, have fewer strokes and heart attacks, have a lower chance of becoming depressed be less likely to have advanced cancer at the time of diagnosis and more likely to survive cancer. Lastly, married people are more uh, likely to survive a major operation. And then this, this MD goes on to talk about a couple uh, theories, prominent theories that actually have scientific research that backs this. A couple things here. People who are married, their behavior tends to improve with marriage. Married people take fewer risks, eat better, maintain healthier lifestyles on average compared to single people. There's also evidence that married people tend to keep regular doctor appointments, follow doctors' recommendations more, more often than single people. Couple more points here. Mental health is better when you're married, according to this MD from Harvard. Poor social supports, which are more likely uh, with singles, have been strongly associated with higher rates of depression, loneliness, and social isolation. Last point here. Married people have better health uh, before 
getting married or, or when getting married. So there you have it. I'll post this on, on the website on our podcast page at AFR.net. Um, one last thing that uh, children, the benefits, and, and we all know this, the benefits with children uh, are, are, are apparent also. The benefits for children in, 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 in uh, man, woman, married households, uh, two-parent family is what they call it, uh, the, the, the research is overwhelming that that's the best place for children to prosper, children to flourish, and children to grow. Moving on, the second way that the political left has attacked our country is through the military. Through the military, President Obama really led this fight when he first came into office. What do I mean about that? What do I mean by that? President Obama got into office and here's what he did his first year. His first year in office, President Obama, President Barack Hussein Obama, during his first year in office, directed then defense. This is from the National Review.com. I'll post this on our podcast page at AFR.net. In 2009, during his first year in office, Obama directed then Defense Secretary Robert Gates to cut about $300 billion from Pentagon programs, which had the effect of eliminating several of the major weapon, uh, major weapon acquisition projects that had survived Donald Rumfeld's attempt to transform the force by skipping a generation of weapon systems. My point there is President Obama, first year in office, says, hey, I know where we need to cut spending. We need to cut $300 billion from defense spending. He doesn't come in and say we need to tighten down on welfare spending, on domestic programs, on wasteful spending. We need to cut down on the bureaucracy in Washington, D.C. We need to put a freeze on hiring of federal employees, which President Trump has done, thankfully. But President Obama comes into office and his first priority when it comes to money is to gut the U.S. military's budget by $300 billion. By $300 billion. President Obama went on in 2011 to suggest another $400 billion in Defense Department reductions. And this led to something called the Budget Control Act of 2011 And some in, in, in Congress tried to tout this as a physical, fiscally responsible, as fiscally responsible legislation aimed at curbing spending, reining in federal spending. But this Budget Control Act of 2011, all it did was undermine our military and weaken our military. Because here's what the legislation did in 2011, signed by President Obama, passed by Republicans and Democrats in the U.S. House of Representatives, passed by Democrats in the Senate, some Republicans, signed by the Democrat President Obama. Here's what this Budget Control Act of 2011 did. It jettisoned any attempt to limit federal spending on entitlement programs, which are the wasteful ones, and it capped defense spending for a decade. For a decade. And then President Obama 
a couple years later, goes on the road. I'm going to play clip three here. This is President Obama talking about the legislation he signed, the Budget Control Act of 2011, and its devastating effect on the military. Clip three, let's listen. The sequester will weaken America's economic recovery. It will weaken our military readiness. And it will weaken the basic services that the American people depend on every single day. Already, already the uncertainty around these cuts is having an effect. Companies are starting to prepare for layoff notices. Families are preparing to cut back on expenses. And the longer these cuts are in place, the greater the damage. Well, there you have it. That's President Obama. A couple years later, after signing the Budget Control Act of 2011, President Obama goes out on the road talking about how bad the sequestration is. Well, guess where the sequestration came from? The legislation that you signed two years back. And that's why I think this is all a setup. This is all a game. And it's all aimed at one thing. Depleting our military. And this was in our face. It was happening and it's like nobody knew what was going on. Here's what President Obama said going back to 2011. Talking about the Budget Control Act that he signed in 2011. Here's what he said. Is this the deal I would have preferred? No. But this compromise does make a serious down payment on the deficit reduction we need. And it gives each party a strong incentive to get a balanced budget done before the end of the year. That's President Obama. Is this the, is this the deal I would have preferred? No. But it's a good bill. Good legislation. Then two years later, he goes on the road talking about how bad it is. How bad it is for our country. Well, why did you sign it? Why did you sign the legislation if it was so, so bad? He signed it because he liked it. He signed it because he knew it was going to gut our military. That's why he signed the legislation. I mean, putting this puzzle together is like a piece of cake. President Obama comes into office and says, I want to gut $300 billion in defense spending. Two years later, he signs a bill that guts billions in defense spending. And then two years later after that, he goes, this is horrible. This is bad for our military, bad for our economy. Well, Mr. President, you're the one who signed the bill. And so I, I have no doubt in my mind that the political left has been their goal, one of their goals amongst many, has been to undermine American strength on the world stage. And this lines up directly with their agenda, their public agenda of shaming America. The political left always talks about colonialism and how America's, you know, the, the, the big bad brother and, and we're responsible for slavery and all this bad stuff and capitalism's the devil. And, 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 and our, our, we're, we're, we're committing war crimes overseas, blah, blah, blah. Well, this lines up perfectly with their agenda of shaming America and making us look weak on the world stage. And so there you have it. President Obama helped or, or really led the charge to gut 
uh, to gut the U.S. military. A couple other things I want to talk about are the last thing, the last topic, but within this we'll talk about a few things, is the economy. So we have the family, the military, and the economy. We've talked about how the political left has undermined the family through so-called no-fault divorce, through the perversion called homosexual so-called marriage. We talked about President Obama's war on the military, gutting the military, which President Trump thankfully is rebuilding. And lastly here, we're going to talk about the economy. And this is not just a, a, an Obama thing. This has been going on for decades. And that is operating under horrible trade agreements. Horrible trade deals with China, Mexico, Canada, various other countries. This dates back to the 90s, the 80s and 90s. But various presidents, both Republican and Democrat, have allowed our country to remain in these horrendous trade deals that only help and stabilize foreign countries, meanwhile gutting manufacturing and jobs from our own country. And President Obama was no different during his presidency, allowing the status quo to reign. President Obama also led the war on coal. And remember, in 2015, Hillary Clinton is on the campaign trail. It may have been 2016, early 2016. But, but, but Hillary Clinton was on the campaign trail running for president, thankful she didn't win. And she said, we're going to put coal workers out of work. We're going to put coal miners out of work. That's, that's her direct quote. We're going to put coal miners out of work. That's our goal. That's our agenda. And just another way to undermine the American economy. Not to mention Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden were compromised when it came to the economy because of their lavish private business deals with Russia and China. Hillary Clinton, Russia, hundreds of thousands of dollars given to the Clinton Foundation. Vice President Joe Biden, his son, Hunter Biden, striking billions of dollars worth of business deals with Chinese firms who have connections to the Chinese government. So much of the Obama administration, they were compromised when it, come, when it came to putting America first. And how I want to wrap all of this up is that there is one, one end game here that the Democrats have, that the political left has. Their end game is to destabilize and then take control. The political left has even said, don't let a crisis go to waste. So we destabilize the family, we destabilize the military, and we destabilize the American economy, and then what do we do? We take power. That's the goal of the political left. Exposing Washington American Family Radio Network. Check out our website, AFR.net, and we'll be back next week.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.